This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lady Shelby of House Plier. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into chapter 43, uh, Eddard 11 of A Game of Thrones. And in Fire and Blood, we are discussing Prince into King, the Ascension of Jaehaerys I. So, yeah. Uh, wow, Sir Ezra, a new year is upon us. It is, you know. So, uh, this is New Year's Eve, uh, and it's, it's exciting. We, um, I don't know, man, it's been... Been a crazy 2018, you know. Yeah. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, finishing strong tonight. You know, uh, having a few, you know, drinks and uh, some celebration. You got any fun Are you plans? Doing anything for New Year's? Uh, um, no, I might be going to a New Year's Eve party a little bit. I don't know. I was I was I've been sick as you can hear in my voice. Yeah. Uh, this this past week I had like a a fever. A chill, you know, <laughs> the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole gambit there. The spring um, and summer sickness, all of it. Jeez, all at once. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, forgive my, uh, pardon my voice here. I feel like I should call myself Sir Ill and Pain, but um, <laughs> we might have to turn you into one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That's funny. Uh, yeah, 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 but uh, no, I'm going to make some uh, pork and sauerkraut because that's like the, what you do on, that's like yeah. you know, what you do on. On New Year's, so I was like, okay, then we'll do that. Dude, do you remember when we were uh, living together and I used to make sauerkraut like all the time? <laughs> yeah. And then you would, and then you'd be like, man, I'm going to eat this for weeks. And then you'd Ugh. eat like one one thing of it and it'd sit in the fridge for like three weeks. And it'd mold. <laughs> just mold. Yeah. In the oh, gosh. I actually do like the taste of it. I just, it was like a pork tenderloin and some sauerkraut, man, in the slow cooker. Yeah. So, yeah. But. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. That's cool. That's cool. I uh, my plans are just I'm gonna head over to my my sisters. Uh, we got some friends coming over there, and we're gonna hang out and bring in the new year. Uh, pretty chill, actually. Uh, research has kept me up all hours of the night the last couple of days, just researching some, you know, Game of Thrones theories. Uh, that that Lothian Shield episode fired me up, man. Yeah. Like it was so good to do that, and it just I felt refreshed, you know, having more time to kind of get back into it and really, you know, dig deep. So uh, we got a couple things we want to announce. Um, yeah, well, we're in small council now, so, you know. There Go we ahead are. and announce them. Yeah, so we're, so we're here. Um, first of all, I want to mention, you know, uh, if you guys have a chance, encourage someone, bring a friend, uh, enter the Facebook group because that's a, a lot of good discussion happening there. Uh, we say it every week because it's true, all right? So if you're not there, shame on you, all right? Uh, we actually need to announce is that we're going to make the announcements now, uh, for the first Raven's Nest. Actually, we got some yeah. upcoming, upcoming stuff. So next week on the 6th of January, we are going to record the Black Council Mystery Night. Uh, Sir Matt and I are going to kind of finish that up and, uh, get that out to everyone on, on Patreon. And then on the 13th of January, which is a Sunday, um, we're switching. It, it could be Saturday, it could be Sunday, but for right now, we're going to start off with a Sunday because it just works better. Uh, for us right now, we are going to have our first Raven's Nest. I mean, uh-huh. 
going to be exciting. So yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to hammer it on a time. Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll figure that out next week and announce it next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we'll do is we'll post probably um, on the sixth, just like the the actual time that we're going to start. And uh, and again, it's one of those things like we're going to have to do some editing with that. We're going to have some some pauses or some you know internet. Hopefully, your internet connection is good, uh, right? <laughs> so you can participate. And uh, if it's not, no big deal. You know, we also have a backup plan for people just to kind of you know call into the show and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, we will communicate those details with our um, top tier patrons. And be cool to hear their voices and chat with them just in general. And I kind of feel like it's going to be more of just an open-ended, you know, chat. We're going to be getting to kind of right. hear from people, you know, around the nation, across the world, wherever, you know, just people who have been uh, listening and supporting us for a long time. And so uh, that, that'll be exciting. And then we'll kind of continue those. We'll pick the dates, um, let you guys kind of know ahead of time when they're coming so you can plan ahead. And we'll I think we're going to release a couple different topics because uh, we have Ravens that have gone to our inbox, which are kind of neat. I think it's neat to – we want to give people a chance to be, be kind of familiar with the topic, but then we want to also just read the Ravens you know, um, on the show too. So we'll figure all that out, but it, it, I'm excited yeah. to announce it anyways. So Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we have that coming. Um, the next Black Council yeah. uh, T-shirts will be sent out soon to those patron members who yep. are in, in that tier, in those tiers. Uh, so we have those uh, being uh, sent out shortly. Yeah, and is it okay? I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm dropping this because it's something I'm probably going to do. And I know Sir Matt and I will end up, we do this anyways. We have musings. Drop it. I'm doing you know? it. Okay, it's Drop happening. it. <laughs> like, so I thought one, uh, something that happens often you know, even before we started uh, this episode, we have conversations and we we talk about, you know, various things that, that may not be like long, but it's our it's our thoughts. And it's sort of a, almost a behind the scenes type of thing. But it's it's just us thinking about theories. Um, you kind of get to see the thought process, I guess, you know, because as we've said before, there's, there's a lot to this. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to kind of rifle through all of the different text and, and hunt down the information. So uh, we're going to do basically something called like musings with Sir Ezra, musings with Sir Matt. And they're like five to ten minute periods of reflection or thought where we mm-hmm. share our thoughts just about uh, characters. It could just be pick a character, kind of share our thoughts on that character. Do we like them? What do we like about them? Um, what are some cool, interesting uh, characteristics or, or features about them? Uh, maybe characters, you know, at the end of uh, Dance of Dragons, who's left over, <laughs> who is going to survive going forward. But they're just real quick things that we thought we could drop on on Patreon. And we'll make a playlist there so you guys can see those. You can kind of, um, if, if you're not interested in that, you can just rifle right past and go to the Black Council uh, stuff or the, the full-on Green Dream uh, episodes. And by the way, the Lost and Shield, that was uh, our, you know, kind of our teaser. We put that out there for everybody. But going forward... Um, we're going to try to have more of those green dreams on Patreon. And then, you know, once every three to four months, we'll drop another big one on the main feed. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So exciting stuff. Though. Sounds great. Yeah. Hey, a lot of, a lot of super cool stuff. So, yeah. All right. Uh, what are you, any uh, news there, sir, Matt, anything uh, coming up? Anything cool? <sighs> Nothing big. Um, I did read on Gers, not a blog. Um, so, so, there is the 20th and edition Game of Thrones book. Um, it's like a leather-bound, illustrated book. Uh, you've probably seen it in Barnes & Noble and stuff like that. It's like a bigger, thicker version. Um, and uh, Gert announced that they were going to release a version of that 
of Clash of Kings. So it's still the nice. same book, and it's just uh, it's like a nicer leather bound, um, bigger uh, book, and it also has some illustrations in it. So we're gonna get that because now Clash of Kings is twenty years old in twenty nineteen. So wow, it's awesome. Okay, that's yeah. cool. That is pretty neat. Um, so I'm sure we'll be getting more, you know, stuff. Uh, hopefully, when do you think we're gonna get uh, the trailer? When do you think that's gonna be Super Bowl? Is that gonna be? Oh yeah, you think so? <laughs> Was, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure we're gonna get a super a Game of Thrones Super Bowl t- trailer. Okay, yeah, that's exciting. So, all right. Well, HBO has started a rewatch. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, they've started. Uh, their I don't know what their schedule is. I haven't I haven't looked at it, but yeah, they've they've started. A, hey, come rewatch Game of Thrones to get ready. So, oh, nice. Okay, cool beans, cool beans. Uh, oh, also one more quick little teaser. We have possibly. I'm gonna reach out to some folks. Uh, just some new surprises coming up in the new year, things we might be doing a little differently with our newsletter and such. If anyone's interested in helping with the newsletter, please hit me up, you know, especially those who are in our top tier, uh, our top patrons. Hit us up. Uh, get some fun ideas that I want to run by some folks. So I'll leave you with that. All right. Uh, over All right. to the Maester study. Yeah. Think we're ready? Okay. Hey, I'm ready. All right, this is, well, good, because uh, I inadvertently read the I'm not. The, the other two chapters. Uh, I did go ahead and read this before we were, we were starting, though. The uh, Prince into King, the Ascension of Jaehaerys I. So, some new stuff for us. All right, yeah. Jaehaerys I Targaryen uh, ascended the Iron Throne in 48 AC at the age of 14 and would rule the Seven Kingdoms for the next 50 years until his death of natural causes in 103 AC. In the later years of his reign and during the reign of his successor, he was called the Old King for obvious reasons. But Jaehaerys was a young and vigorous man for far longer than he was an aged and feeble one. And more thoughtful uh, scholars speak of him uh, reverently as the conciliator. Archmaester Umbert, writing a century later, famously declared that Aegon the Dragon and his sisters conquered the Seven Kingdoms. Six of them, at least. But it was Jaehaerys, the conciliator, who truly made them one. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you, what's what's neat uh, about Jaehaerys is just the way... I mean, he rules the longest. We call him the old king for a reason. And um, he has this this wisdom to him. He, it talks Often it talks about his, his demeanor being really uh, calm, you know, on the surface. He's got this even kind of demeanor. But yet he still has the fire of the dragon when he needs to have it. Absolutely. Know? So um, pretty. pretty well, cool. and the, and and the thing that we too. have and the thing we had said about fire and blood, that's going to be the character who we're going to get the most of out of fire and blood that we don't already know from a world of ice and fire and kind of the main series is Jaehaerys. Yeah, because in his uh, world of ice and fire chapter is pretty short considering how long he rules. It seems like it was just like, yeah, everything is great. Right, and, you know, for a bigger time. That's pretty much the World of Ice and Fire chapter. So, um, you know, we're about to get a lot of him and a lot of actual history. Um, you, Sir Ezra, and I saw the wiki page and the yeah. Song of Ice and Fire wiki has been up has been already updated with some yeah. of the Fire and Blood stuff as that's coming out. So now there's it's like it's like wow, his page before was like three paragraphs. Now it's like yeah. You know, really it, thick so it's awesome if they've got yeah they've got all that fire and blood stuff updated in there so if you want to uh get a condensed version definitely go check it out it's uh it's pretty neat um one thing i wanted to mention too as we start talking about jaharius it's like so 
his father is King Aenys, right? You know, and he had to live through Magor's rule, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was which was pretty terrible. And his uh, it was his what was it his older uh, brother and sister, which you know Aenys made the mistake right of of well mistake air quote of marrying his um, the, those siblings. So Reyna and Aegon were married in forty one AC, and that is what. I uh, was reading up more on like the poor fellows and and the um, the faith militant and how in how that enraged them, you know, and how they really got upset by that union. And so I thought it was kind of ironic, you know. We'll get to it later, um, in, in who Jaharis actually ends up marrying, which is we, we, right. we, it's not in this chapter, but we'll get to it uh, later. I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, you have that whole um, division there. And that's sort of what allows Magor the Cruel to kind of step in later and and put down uh, some of that faith militant uh, stuff. They go to their guerrilla war tactics and things, and then he's finally, you know, the throne kills him, which we're going to get into in mm-hmm. our Game of Thrones chapter uh, today. So, but uh, but yeah, just remember his older brother and sister, um, or brother, ends up, uh, his brother ends up dying, and then Reyna actually is the one who's kind of passed around a little bit. So, but uh, anyways, yeah, so he, he ends up, uh, because really one of the things, Sir Matt, is like he has an older sister who could mm-hmm. have been queen, right? Yeah. But um, she, I think, you know, just with all, all the stuff that happened between her and Magor and, um, you know, trying to save her children, King's Landing just, you know, Reyna Targaryen is just done really with uh, living in King's Landing and just being a part of that royalty uh, so she goes right. to Fair Isle, you know, which and and, and stays there. Because I was wondering, right, right, I, I well, right, right here. Let me. I'll, yeah. I'll read this. I'll read this line. And there's also the, you know, the 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 nation of, I don't know. The the there's still some rumblings of the idea of like, well, women just shouldn't rule, right? Yeah. Like that's starting starting to come about. Right. Mm-hmm. Right here, um, some suggested that Reyna herself uh, might have the strongest claim to the crown. As the firstborn child of King Aenys and Queen Alyssa, there were even some who whispered that it was Queen Reyna who had somehow contrived to free the realm from Magor the Cruel. Though by what means she might have arranged his death after fleeing King's Landing on her dragon Dreamfire has never been successfully established. Her sex told uh, against her, however, this is not Dorne. Lord Rogar Baratheon said when the notion was put to him, and uh, Reyna is not Nymeria. Moreover, the twice-widowed queen has come to loathe King's Landing in the court and wished only return to Fair Isle, where she had found a measure of peace before her uncle had made her one of his black brides. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, I can totally see, too, why if there's that notion out there, and she's had all this history and things, you know, she's done. She's, she's done with this. Right. Uh, it's going to be a fight anyways for her to take the the crown over her brother um Mm -hmm. you know and you've got rogar baratheon there who ends up kind of being um with with uh jerry's mother right i think they're kind of together aren't they Uh, Mm -hmm. Alyssa Alyssa valerian so but anyways so yeah there's there's that and uh i just thought it was you know kind of well one of the interesting things is she she is old enough to actually wear the crown though and and rule whereas jerry's is not you know he has like a year and a half uh regency that he has to endure before he's 16 so Mm -hmm. what is he 14 or something when he when he kind of right first comes back so yeah uh yeah i think so yeah um let me read on here let me go i'm I'm, I'm gonna skip ahead here just a little bit um let's see it was a fortnight later so they kind of talk a little bit about just the things that happened right after 
you know, Magor's um, funeral, some of his knights, uh, you know, kind of what happened to them. Uh, let's see. Oh, in the case that had followed the discovery of Magor's body, Lord uh, Rosby drank a cup of hemlock to join his king in death. Buckwell and uh, Rollingford took ship for Pentos, whilst most of the others fled to their own castles and, strong and strongholds. Only Darklin and Staunton had the courage to remain with Lord Towers to yield up Red Keep, the Red Keep, to Prince Jaehaerys and his sisters, uh, Reyna and Alison. Um, descended upon the castle with their dragon. So when they show up, you know, these are the only guys who kind of stayed to, to turn things right. over. And, um, let's see, Prince Jaehaerys, this is what he says, you know, you come late to the feast. Um, he says this in a mild tone and these same blades helped slay my brother, Aegon beneath the God's eye at his command. The three were immediately put in chains, though some of the prince's party called for them to be executed on the spot. So he ends up kind of putting them away and, and we kind of, right. you know, we don't execute them right away. So right. he's he's already kind of showing, uh, what's the, what's the word there? I mean, he's not rash. I guess he's not just jumping right to like, yeah, kill right. kill this, this person, that person. It's like there's a fairness to him that you know we need to kind of mm -hmm. um, weigh this out. Even though they had killed his brother, been been a part of that. Um, so then this is the cool part here. A fortnight later, Lord Rogar uh, Baratheon and Queen Alicent arrived at King's Landing with their host, and hundreds more uh, were seized and imprisoned. Be they knights, uh, squires, stewards, septons, or serving men, the charge against them was the same. They were accused of having aided um, and abetted Magor Targaryen in, in the uprising um, against the Iron Throne and in all the crimes, cruelties, and misrule that followed. Because that was a part of it, too. When they looked at his some of his Kingsguard, these were the guys who held you know some of, one of his Black Brides down and cut her tongue out. You know what I mean? So... Mm -hmm. Um, they participated, even though it was at the command of their their king, um, which they were sworn to kind of obey. Uh, it's still yeah a cruel. Right, I mean, right here, right, right here. He's like you know, five, uh, five of Megor's seven yet survived. Uh, two of those, uh, Sir Oliver Bracken, Sir Raymond Mallory, had played a part in the late king's fall by turning their cloaks and going over to Jaehaerys. But the boy king observed rightfully, and you know, uh, observed uh, rightly that in doing so they had broken their vows to defend the king's life with their own. I will have no oath breakers at my court, he proclaimed. Yeah. You know, and then all five were sentenced to death, as, as you said. So, um, yeah. Oh, what was cool is that. So, yeah, he sentenced them to death. I think it was with his mother or somebody who steps in and says, like, um, that they gives them a chance to go to the wall. Which is right. What yeah. Uh, yeah. I but, thought was but at the urging of uh, Princess Allison, it was agreed uh, they might be spared. Uh, they might be spared if they would exchange their white cloaks for blacks by joining the Night's Watch. Four of the five accepted this clemency and departed for the wall. Along with Sir Oliver and Sir Raymond, the turncoaks, went Sir John Tollett and Sir Simon Kane. Well, and isn't that kind of cool to think that, like, some of the Kingsguard, you know, <laughs> go, go, oh, yeah. go north and, and um, they're at the wall? I don't know. I mean, it's like they're, they're, they had to be, you know, the best of the best, right, to, to be in the Kingsguard. And so... Um, even though they did say that Magor kind of surrounded himself with like, what do they say, like old men and spicklittles, you know, but still, yeah. you know, they're, they're the king's guard. So I thought it was kind of cool that they could kind of continue on and there could be a story there. One of the cool bits here was, and you get into, I think it's the next chapter where they really talk about his, the formation of his, of Jaehaerys, uh, king's guard. But right. the, the fifth king's guard, uh, was Sir Harold, uh, Langward and he demanded mm -hmm. a trial by, trial by combat, combat. Yeah. And, uh, 
they actually grant that. And uh, so, wait, let's see. So, yeah, he granted his wish, oh, to face, granted his wish and offered to, he offered himself to face Sir Harold in single combat, right? So, Jaharis mm-hmm. wanted to fight one of the King's Guard. I mean, he was willing to, all right, let's do it. But his mother kind of uh, overrules him. And instead, this young knight, Sir, Sir, uh, Sir, Sir Giles, uh, mm-hmm. Sir Giles, yeah. um, uh, uh, Morgan, Sir Giles Morgan, uh, yeah. the man chosen was his nephew of, to Damon the Devout, the great captain of the warrior's sons, um, who had led uh, them in their trial of seven against Magor. Uh, eager to prove his house's loyalty to the new king, Sir, Sir Giles uh, made short work of the elderly Sir, Sir Harold. Uh, and was named Lord Commander of Jaehaerys Kingsguard soon after. So you get like a tease here, just of like the first guy who's um, kind of comes into the fold, and and we meet you know someone who, you know, uh, did did an awesome thing. He, he ends up beating one of the other Kingsguard, and then he's a younger guy, uh, and he ends up being a part of the Kingsguard and his Lord Commander. So yeah, I thought that was kind of a neat little transition of power, you know, uh, bit there. So. All right, yeah, let's see. What do, what do you want to hit up next? Well, let me just keep going here. Um, so they talk about how this reconciliation is not... Um, uh, it didn't bring peace overnight, so that was one of the lines here. It must not be thought that the reconciliation of the Lords brought peace to Westeros overnight. So it just kind of talks about the bitterness that was left by Magor's rule. You know, it was a lot to kind right. of overcome. So I think that's one There's of the... There's a lot to clean up. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's one of the achievements of Jaharis is that like he's at this young age, with the help of his mother, um, is able to kind of right the ship, you know, and and work um, in such a way that he heals the kingdom. One of the characters right. that pops up next is 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 uh, Sir jo- Sir Joffrey Doggett, um, yeah, who was the Red Dog of the Hills. Uh, mm-hmm. He's I think he's a part of the. Gosh, wasn't he part of the Poor Fellows? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and they were kind of in that guerrilla warfare tactic against Magor. And um, so let me read a little bit here about him, just because I think it, he actually comes to the coronation, I think. Let me see. Whilst he had collected the heads of hundreds of stars and swords, uh, hundreds more remained at large. Tens of thousands of lesser lords, landed knights and small folks, sheltered them, fed them, and gave them aid and comforted uh, wherever they could. Um, so let me go back one sentence just so you understand here. King's Mag- King Magor's effort, efforts to exterminate the poor fellows and the warriors' sons had set many pious men and women against him and against House Targaryen. So that's the obstacle that he has to kind of overcome. And uh, so they're being hid by ver- various folk, right, and, and taking right. shelter. Um so let's see. Uh, Ragged Silas, uh, Dennis the Lame, commanded roving bands of poor fellows who came and went like wraiths vanishing into the Greenwood um, whenever threatened. North of the Golden Tooth, the Red Dog of the Hills, Sir Joffrey Doggett, moved between the Westlands and Riverlands at will with the support and conveyance of Lady uh, Lucinda, the pious wife of the Lord of Riverrun. Sir Joffrey, who had taken upon himself the mantle of Grand Captain of the Warrior's Sons, had announced his intentions to restore that once proud order to its former glory and was um, uh, became uh, Rec- recruited. And yeah, knights recruiting to, knights. Yeah. yeah, recruited knights to his to his banners. Um, is there a bit? I feel like there's a bit where he ends up kind of reconciling things a little bit, like that he was a part of it. I could be wrong about that. Um, 
Because the next character I that... Toward, I think it's later on. Is it later on? Okay. So yeah. we'll come to it. Because the next character that pops up is Septon Moon. Septon you know, Moon, yeah. Who's kind of a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the greatest threat was in the south where Septon Moon and his followers camped beneath the, wa- the walls of Old Town. Defended by Lord Oakheart and Lord Rowan and their knights. A massive hulk of a man, Moon had been blessed with a thunderous voice and an imposing physical presence. Though his poor fellows had proclaimed him the true High Septon, this Septon was no picture of piety. He boasted proudly that the Seven-Pointed Star was the only book he ever read, and many questioned even that, for he never uh, he had never been known to quote from that holy tome, and no man had ever seen him read nor write. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's the one who's really kind of speaking out against the, the Targaryens and kind of keeps this bitterness for like a long time doesn't he yeah yeah and he's he's kind of a he's he i mean he is kind of a it's very questionable about his his religion right you know it says barefoot bearded and possessed of immense uh fervor the poorest fellow could speak for hours and often did and what he spoke about was sin i am a sinner were the words with which septon moon began every sept every sermon and so he was a creature of <laughs> immense appetites a glutton a drunkard renowned for his lechery moon lay each night with a different woman impregnating so many of them that his acolytes began to say that his seed could make a barren wo- woman fertile uh yeah. so yeah yeah so he's kind of uh you know casting stones left and right yeah. um but not that he should be but anyways he is um and so, if you skip down a couple paragraphs here, so it says the long conflict between King Magor and the Faith uh, had made it imperative that Jaehaerys be anointed uh, king by the High Septon, and um, both his mother and and Lord Rogar kind of agree with that as well. And uh, so he ends up. One of the things I want to finish my thought here with with Sir Joffrey. I forgot that I read this in the wiki, and that's why I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Is that he does survive that war with Magor, and he actually does. Uh, kind of he journeys to old town with lord and lady tully to meet the new young king jaharis um who comes to old town because we're about at that part where he's right. he's going to head to old town and, and uh get blessed by the high septon and uh, sir joffrey was received courteously by the king and asked um that the laws uh forbidding the faith militant be undone uh jaharis refused but asked doggett instead to serve in his king's guard um when sir joffrey uh drew his sword Grandmaster Benefer, who was present, feared Sir Joffrey might intend to harm Jaehaerys, but instead he placed the sword at the king's feet with tears in his eyes and accepted the offer. So I thought that was kind of because this guy was a, I mean, a, a beloved kind of leader in the Riverlands and someone who was kind of uh, leading the warriors' sons and 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 uh, raging that war against Magor, you know, and, right? And they come back and it's like anybody who obeyed who 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 helped Magor. Uh, was imprisoned. So these were folks who were fighting against him, you know, so it it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense that he would offer that type of olive branch, you know, to Sir Joffrey here, you know. Right. So I thought that was, well, that and was you know, pretty cool. Even going back to just the idea, right? I mean, do you, like, do you view Magor as kind of, in a way, a usurper? Do you view Magor as a... Yeah. As kind of a, a villain? Yeah. I mean... That that's that's the you know Aegon and Reyna were ready to um, take you know their father's place you know and that was he knew that he was behind in the line of succession and basically um, 
Yeah, that was when you remember, remember when Anies was kind of like when he banished him, you know, and right. uh, he asked for Blackfire back, and you could see the defiance there, uh, and that he's like, "Well, you're welcome to come take it from me." Um, and then so his son Aegon and and Reyna are hunted down and, and and like they actually fight, you know, they fight against him, and he's end up it ends up that uh, he's killed. People supported Magor uh, on Beleriand, and a part of that was it's it's weird because the Faith at first was upset with Anies. You know, they're upset because he marries son, uh, daughter to son, uh, you know, um, and then they're upset with Magor because he's taking multiple wives and doing all sorts of evil, crazy things. And the faith militant uh, and the warrior sons and poor fellows all rise up against him. And then Jaehaerys shows up and with, you know, on his dragons and, and after the king has been, you know, killed by supposedly Reyna Targaryen on the throne, on the Iron Throne, and they imprison all these people who were supporting him, and now they're so, they're kind of trying to bridge this gap between uh, Old Town, you know, and the Septons, you know, the Faith. So it's just yeah. cra- it's a crazy back and forth. But yeah, I, I don't do know, see though. him as a villain. I don't, what do you? I think? don't know. I don't know. Oh, because here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's 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 weird because you know the. Magor is his second son, right? So typically, yeah, you would be uh-huh. in the idea that the line of succession is this, right? Your yeah. first son, firstborn, sure. continues down their line. But I don't know. The Targaryens, it's kind of different because you have Aegon has two wives. Sure. Absolutely. You know, he he has two wives and his sister is older and it's not like it's outside of their realm of ideas for like a woman to rule or. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. So and they all three kind of conquered together. I mean, I know it was with Aegon. So I don't right. know. I can see the I can see the argument for Magor. Well, you, um, you, you could make the case that like, OK, after Rhaenys dies, you know, and he has he has Aenys and he has Magor. Um, right. Maybe once Aegon Magor is also isn't Magor also he Magor is older than um uh than Aegon. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, oh yeah, older than than Aenys' son. Yeah. And what? But here's where I was going: is that like after Rhaenys dies, and then after uh, Aegon himself, the Conqueror dies. Who's left over from the from the from that trio? Uh, Visenya. You know, and so yeah. If you were setting up succession, maybe, you know, why is the queen then not... Yeah, she you know, should be, actually, should have an argu- a claim to the throne. Right, you, you could have taken it that direction. So it, it was all based upon how they wanted to set up their, um, this, this uh, inheritance, you know, or who, who kind of, the succession, you know. Right. And they just chose, you know, to kind of go, I, I don't know if it was like, I don't know. I, I I don't really remember if it was something that was set up in the in the Valyrian way, or if it was like something that the um, Seven Kingdoms kind of it was a custom that they had, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, it went to the first son. But I see what you're saying because he because it is different because he has the two wives. Um, he's had them from the beginning, and that was the older sister, um, and she is also left there. You know, she's she's the reigning, you know. Um, ruler i guess she could have been you know and then she's right she could pass that down to her son so yeah i know <laughs> it's kind of is he a villain is he not did he did he usurp the throne yeah you know so that is right. one that's that's kind of questioned because then it does get back into Aenys line through jaharis but you know 
he did end up fighting Aegon for it, you know? Yeah. And Reyna, which is crazy. So ends up fighting his own, his own, and he becomes a, kin- a kinslayer. So, um, yeah, okay. So, so anyways, that, that, that was a good discussion because I think it does, it shows you how much that, Jah- that, uh, Jahari's had to kind of, uh, do to build the bridge back between, um, the Targaryen family and the faith and, right. and what they had to do there. So, uh, another cool character too that you guys should look up is Grandmaster uh, Benefer. He's actually mm-hmm. pretty cool, and he's pretty loyal to the Targaryens, and he's a, he's a good Grandmaster um, and pretty wise. And actually, ends up I think he ends up being one of the reasons too um, that Jaehaerys is successful. So at least in the beginning, right? So, yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Yeah, I'd already kind of read the part about. Um, him showing up there at yeah so the 48th year after the conquest is is basically in the starry sept that's when um Jaehaerys is is uh, crowned correct i think in the 48th year there yeah yeah uh and so he has that he has that two year kind of regency um under his mother where um where he'll then you know in in 50 AC that's when you really sort of see Jaehaerys take off which we're going to we're going to get to probably next week next week yeah yeah but um I don't. I don't really. I don't see anything else though that was really. Did you have anything else from this chapter? We're kind of at the end. Um, there, basically, he has the coronation. Yeah, we're kind and, of at the end. Yeah, and I think that's that's basically there. There's a description of the coronation, which is kind of cool, but um, it's it's nothing crazy. You get all the Targaryens there, and they're in Old Town, and so they've that's yeah. where the he. I mean, the, yeah, the biggest. I mean, the biggest kind of takeaway from this chapter is that he reconciles the faith, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and one of the cool things I just want to read this because I've been on this the, the Red Dog of the Hills. You know, I was talking about him earlier, and um, okay, so he says here, hmm, the faith ha- the faith has no need of swords. This is when he's talking to um, the Red Dog. He's, he declared, "They have my protection, the protection of the Iron Throne." He did, however, rescind the bounties that Magor had promised for the heads of the warrior sons and the poor fellows. I shall not wage war against my own people, he said, but neither shall I tolerate treason and rebellion. Uh, and then the Red Dog says. Uh, I rose against your uncle just as you did, which is why, you know, that's where I was getting to the driving to that point that like these folk were actually uh, doing the same thing that Jaehaerys was trying to fight, you know, um, against Magor the Cruel. And he says you did and you fought bravely. No man can deny that the warrior sons are no more and your vows to them are at an end. But your service need not be. I have a place for you. And with these words, the young knight shocked the court by offering Sir Joffrey a place at his side as a knight of the King's Guard. It's just, it's so cool that it is like a hush fell then. Grand Maester Benefer right. tells us, and when the Red Dog drew his long sword, there were some who feared that he might be about to attack the king, you know, but instead he went and he bent his knee, bowed his head, and laid his blade at Jaehaerys' feet. It is said that there were tears upon their cheeks. Um, yeah, and there's this like nine-day coronation kind of feast and things. It's just, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a cool little end to that that chapter. Um to see to see him do that and to see that that is the ultimate sort of uh i think sign symbol that he had healed things between him and the faith so yeah yeah we'll leave we'll leave it there probably wow good the reread yeah oh yeah um all right uh last week we were in Tyrion six Tyrion and braun had made well not last week the week before last um, yeah. Tyrion and Bronn had made camp on the high road. Tyrion wanted to make a fire, but Bronn protested that it would bring out the Vale Mountain clans. Um, Tyrion sees no point in trying to avoid the clans, and Bronn gives in as Tyrion plans 
the Stone Crows arrive, and Tyrion negotiates an agreement. This week, we are in Eddard 11, really moving down this book. Uh-huh. And um, the last time we were with Ned, uh, he was dreaming about the showdown at the Tower of Joy. When he uh, had awoken, he found uh, King Robert angry about the abduction of Tyrion Lannister, demanding that Ned make peace with the Lannisters. Robert uh, reinstates Ned as Hand of the King and declares that Ned must sit on the Iron Throne because he is going hunting. Mm-hmm. This week, at Art 11, as the Hand of the King, Ned hears a petition from some House Tully bannermen concerning raiding on their holdfast by Sir Gregor Clegane. He strips Clegane of all lands, titles, and his life, and sends a force under Lord Beric Dondarrion to dispense the king's justice. This is Sir Ezra's, Let's one of Sir Ezra's f- single go. favorite moments in the entire series, book, and show. <laughs> and the show version is great, too. So, Oh, my gosh, man. Let's go. It is literally, it's just so cool, because it's this command that comes from Eddard, and... I mean, I even wrote down all the different names of the guys who who are sent out too. Uh, there's, there's some cool connections at the end of this, but man, it's just uh, I don't know because you know you're also talking about the mountain. You know, Sandor is actually standing right there in. I think he's there, or did he go on the hunt? I feel like he was there because uh, they motion he... they motion to him yeah. and talk about him. You know, basically the mountain kind of dwarfs uh, even his brother. That's sort of one of the ways they they kind of discover. Um, who this is let me um you, you can start us off there matt if you want uh sir matt if you want to read a little bit and we'll i'll yeah. pull up pull up something here sorry one second here let me get back to it i was further down um through the high narrow windows of the red keeps cavernous throne room the light of the uh sunset spilled across the floor laying dark red stripes along the walls where the heads of dragons had once hung now the stone was covered with hunting tapestries vivid with greens and browns and blues, and yet it still seemed to Ned Stark that the only color in the hall was the red of blood. He sat upon the immense uh, ancient seat of Aegon the Conqueror, an ironwork monstrosity of spikes and jagged edges and grotesquely twisted metal. It was, as Robert had warned him, a hellishly uncomfortable chair, and never more so than now, with his shattered leg throbbing more sharply every minute. The metal beneath him had grown harder by the hour, and the fanged steel behind him made it impossible to lean back. A king should never sit easy. Aegon the Conqueror had said when he commanded his armorers to forge a great seat from the sword laid down by his enemies. Damn Aegon for his arrogance, Ned thought sullenly, and damn Robert and his hunting as well. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and yeah, so that that uh, they talk a little bit about, yeah, about that, the forging of this uh, Iron Throne. Right. I mean, right. dude, at one point, he's like, he has his hands on the armrest there, and it's like, there are knives sharp enough to cut you jutting out. Yeah, and yeah. It's just it's just crazy. Actually, even if you leaned back, it said that there, right? It, so that's why you had to kind of sit forward and you had to sit erect. You know, you couldn't slouch really when you're in that chair. You yeah, I'm surprised no one, no king ever like took care of that. Was that? I'm sure. No, I'm surprised no king has ever been like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's fix this. Right. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. I, yeah. It's a good point. I don't know. It's it's maybe it's especially like Joffrey. You know, like. I, I could see Joffrey being as like, I'm not going to sit in this dumb, uncomfortable chair. Yeah, let's move this out a little bit, yeah. <laughs> right. So, anyways, and it's it's interesting because that ties us back to Magor the Cruel, and, and uh, it'll talk here in a little bit about the idea that, you know, uh, that, that seat could actually kill, you know. Yeah. Could actually kill a king, uh, and perhaps it did. 
so yeah, so they start talking about these these brigands, and it's varies. Uh, is there Littlefinger is there? Uh, Grandmaster Pycelle. So some of the council are there. The only two who weren't there, I think it says, was uh, Renly Baratheon um, and um, Sir Barristan Selmy. They are out on the hunt right. as well, and also you know Stannis Baratheon is is away as for we sure. Know. Uh, one thing that's neat. So a character that comes up in this is Sir Raymond Derry, and he's actually came up. Before, he's actually come up before when we when Arya is found and brought before King Robert uh, and punished for attacking Joffrey. And I thought that was kind of a neat little connection. Is that you know he's kind of sent uh, to King's Landing uh, as a part of this you know group with Sir Mark Piper uh, and uh, a couple others uh, by Hoster Tully, uh, really Edmure. Uh, well, actually, actually, uh, it was Hoster Tully who kind of said, "Seek the king's justice and not go after these folks yourself." Edmure was ready to like, you know, go hunt them down and just blood for blood, but Hoster wants them to go get um, some justice there. But so, anyways, the 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 whole point here is that these brigands—they talk about these brigands who show up and are ravaging the the Riverlands, you know—and they start to kind of describe the things that that happen, and they're just awful. But but I the reason I brought up uh, Sir Raymond Derry um, is just because of his you know, remember how he wasn't um, his allegiance during Robert's rebellion was with the Targaryens you know and he was right. he was kind of against Robert Baratheon so there was there was a that was a little dicey and then now he's coming back you know uh, supposedly he's coming to see Robert Baratheon and ends up being um, Eddard Stark but still just a cool little connection right here in the middle of this chapter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they show up here and, and they're talking about brigands, you know, these guys who showed up and they're um, raping, pillaging, you know. Did you think, by the way, that girl that was that was on her knees uh, who wouldn't get up, do you, do you think she was raped? I mean, is that... Oh, probably. I, I hate to say that, but like, I feel like right. that's, it was totally, and I feel like Gur was actually intentionally not saying that, but like really hinting at it and it just... Gosh, man, it just kind of broke me a little bit. She can't even get up off of her knees, and she keeps looking, you know, um, at these these men around her, hoping, looking for some justice, you know. And yeah. I think that really he draws a lot of attention to her because I think that is something that kind of struck everyone. She she can't rise, you know. She stays mm-hmm. on her knees because he does. Eddard he doesn't want them. Uh, he talks about the truth being, you know, um, flowing more freely when 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 folks are standing. You know, and not yeah, and, and it talk and right, and she talk and they talk about what they do. Um, and I like where I like where um, he's like, "Tell me what happened." Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joss and Joss says, uh, "If it pleases his grace," and he's like, "His grace is hunting." He's like, "He's like I am Lord Eddard Stark, the king's hand." Right. Tell me right. who you are and what you know of these raiders. Right. 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 Well, I thought it was cool because that's the difference in the show is that Maester Pycelle says that, and I've always liked it better that Ned is says it instead right i mean doesn't pycelle i think in right. the show yep says it, and it's sort of like yep. a slight towards um Eddard, but it's like he knows who he is anyways uh yeah they says uh says they they burn us out um came riding in the dark up from the south and and fired the fields and the houses alike killing them uh as i tried as i tried to stop them there were no raiders though my lord they had no mind to steal our stock um they butchered my milk cow where she stood and left her for the flies and the cows they rode down my uh, my apprentice boy, his, pre- his apprentice, yeah. said a squat man with uh, Smith's muscles and a bandage around his head. 
um, chased him back and forth across the fields on their horses, poking at him with their lances like it was a game, um, laughing and the boy stumbling and screaming until one big till the big one uh, pierced him clean through. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. It gets me so fired up. This is part of the what happens to these people. You know, this is not what at one point Sansa shows up and yeah. Art is like upset because she shows up because it's like this is not what they expected today. Yeah. This is actually. Kind yeah. Of well, like, the, so the girl, like you said, right. She was probably she, she was probably raped. She says they killed my mother too, your grace. And they they and her voice trails off. Right. Yeah. And so she's and she starts to cry. Yeah. So that's I'm sure that's yeah, that, you know, that's what yeah, when it says there was blood, you know, on. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. And, and he just is, ups- I mean, Eddard is like, of all days, you know, this is a pretty big uh, thing to bring before the king. You know, it's not your normal uh, day in, day out situation. And what they try right. to do is, are these brigands or are, these, are they not brigands? Are they just robbers and, and what have you? Or was this organized by someone? Is this, you know, because they're, they're making the case that it wasn't just brigands. Th- these were Lannister men is what they had came here, Hoster Tully, you know, had sent um, Lord Derry and others, uh, Mark Piper, to to kind of explain that, that we believe they were Lannister men, and here's why. Um, right. And it comes down to, like, their armor. The, um, you know, and Eddard, you know, he questions them, like, did you see any uh, device or sigil or anything that would indicate, you know, um, Lannister men? Could you describe that to me? And they start to describe the armor and how, and that it was that right. it was plain, you know, and that it, that it didn't bear anything like that. Um, and you almost think that brigands would actually have stolen a shield or two. There would be something to kind of, but theirs was like completely, uh, you know, void of of anything that would indicate who they were. Uh, and they were right. riding war horses, you know. Mm-hmm. So they weren't. Yeah, riding... concerning the horses, it, he said it uh, it were war horses they rode. Many a year I worked in old uh, Sir William's stables, so I know the difference. Not a one of these ever pulled a plow. God's bear witness if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I thought, yeah, they're well mounted brigands, right? So Right. And then so and and something to something to take in here, and it's it's way more you you notice it a lot more in the show because it's like so blatantly obvious. Right after this, war mounted brigands observed Littlefinger. Perhaps they stole the horses from the last place they raided. Um, and so you do have and then you had Varys earlier saying, oh, dreadful, you know, how cruel, how cruel can men be? And you have Pycelle in the show that like Littlefinger keeps saying, like after every line, somebody says Littlefinger says, like, who do we know that's that tall? Right. You know, who do we know? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. he's clearly and like you can see Ned Stark is like annoyed by it. Um, but he's right. clearly just, you know, trying to push Ned Stark into into doing it. Right, and yeah, seems I like, to me, it seems like he like Littlefinger is. In this, it's a little different. Um, it's because there's there's a lot more text, and then they have one little like smaller line in there. So it yeah. kind of is like this shows how great Gurr's writing is because it's important, right, that that happens. Yeah, that these outside things are influencing it, and they they come um, after like a long bit of text. Right. Or like somebody those guys are saying something and then you get that thing kind of reminding you. It's kind of like when you're, you know, like if you're on the phone with somebody and you're trying to like listen, but there's like something going on in the room you're in or you're driving. Yeah. And so it's like your attention's being pulled. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Well, and, and what I was thinking is, you know, I, I, I like the idea to just in my thought process here that um, Littlefinger is, you know, trying to. Um, 
I don't know. Like, like it's 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 weird. It's it's either really subtle that he's either uh, just ignorant of of who this could be, or that he's really trying to. Um, oh, he pretend, knows. Pretend, yeah, exactly. Or to pretend yeah, to stop he knows. Ned. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, it, it is kind of interesting. It's cool to me that like, um, you know, this is really Eddard's decision, and he's, he's not. His hand is not forced. It's it's like he. Um, even though they're all saying, "What well, could be brigands? It could be this. It could be that." He's hearing the words of these of these folk, and and he understands what has happened between uh, his his wife and Tyrion and the Lannisters. So he understands what's what's happening. Um, they all do, really. But uh, it's a game, you know. It's a Game of Thrones here. So, uh, yeah. So so then he he goes on to talk to a few more of them, and uh, they start to describe the big man, right? So Joss and and Sir Mark uh, end up kind of talking about um, how big this guy was, big as an ox, a voice like a, a st- uh, stone was breaking. Um, you know, those that say the giants are all dead never saw this one, I swear. Um, and then, they, you know, Sir Mark yells out the mountain. You know, can any man doubt it? This is, you know, Sir Gregor Clegane's work. And, you know, he's yep. known for being a ruthless, you know, type of guy, but it's just the stuff they're doing is awful. They're toying with these people. You know, they didn't actually take anything. Um, you know, they didn't take any of their crops or any of their, you know, possessions, you know, so, so there's that, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a hundred of them, right? It's like, you know, yeah, that's a lot too. That's a lot. Yeah. How many, how many were there in this raiding party? Right. Like, yeah, the ironborn don't even, don't even send a hundred people to go raid a village. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. So anyways, they said, uh, you know, Pycelle's kind of saying, why should Sir Gregor turn brigand? Uh, by the grace of, the liege, of his liege lord, he holds a stout keep and lands of his own. Uh, this man is an anointed knight. Uh, this is when Sir Mark calls him a false knight. Uh, right. Lord Tywin's mad dog. And um, so Pycelle, again, is trying. <laughs> this is where you kind of see Pycelle come out and really uh, show who, who he's um, loyal right, to. Well, when, right, when they ask, too, you know, when they say, like, you know, the, the no banners part, they say, like, um, Lord Eddard told her, "You said they flew no banners. What was the armor they wore? Did you note of any ornaments or decorations on their or devices on their shields or helm?" Uh, Agrees me, my lord. But the armor they showed us was plain. Um, only the one who led them. He was armored mm-hmm. like the rest, but there was no mistaking him in the same. It was the size of him. They say uh, those as uh, say the giants are all dead. Never saw this one. Yeah, big as an ox and a voice like stone breaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it, it was interesting. Um, now, two two cool things happen here. Uh, Sansa walks in, as I said before, and Ned just kind of is like, you know, upset that she's there, but then understands, like, you know, couldn't have expected this to happen today. Uh, and then I think it's Baelish kind of uh, directs his, a question towards Sir Mark, Sir Carl, and uh, Sir Raymond, saying, you know, aren't these holdfast? Aren't these places under your protection? Where were you? Um, and they kind of talk about that they were attending... Um, the his lord father in the past beyond uh, below the golden tooth as was sir mark and uh you know word came out from edmure tully um that they should take a small force of men to find what survivors we could we could and bring them to the king um so that's what they've done they brought these survivors before the king and right. um you know then it's sir raymond Derry who, who speaks up and says sir edmund was um had me summon uh, had summoned me to river run uh, with all of my strength i was camped across the river uh, from his walls, awaiting his command when the word reached me. But the, so he had already summoned uh, Sir William Derry because, right, or Raymond Derry because of all the stuff that was happening 
you know, uh, on the borders there. And this is where you get that bit about, you know, Ned kind of sees that, like, okay, Edmure is young, um, and he's divided his swords. He's spread them out to protect all of those villages along the border and actually right. doesn't have a, a real solid force. He's he's very, um, what's he say, gallant, but not very, um, you know, I guess intelligent and, and or, you know, battle savvy. He doesn't quite understand, like, if there is an invasion, you know, he's, he's going to be able to easily sweep through uh, your men because he has a strong force and he can just pick. Right. He can start here and work his way up because you guys are not united. Um, you know, you've, you've divided your forces too much and you haven't because you, you almost you would, would want to evacuate some of those villages and move them, you know, uh, to a safe hold and make it easier to kind of identify scout when uh, the Lannister forces are moving if they do move across the border. Uh, and so he kind of that's a cool little insight that that uh, Ned has as he's learning about um, their plans. So right, and I, I I like this line here too. Right. So and if they come again, Sir Littlefinger asks, if they come again, we will use their blood to water the fields they burnt. Sir Mark uh, Piper declared hotly. Sir Edmure has sent men to every village to hold fast within a day's ride of the border. Sir Kyle explained, the next raider will not have such an easy time of it. And that may be precisely what Lord Tywin wants, Ned thought to himself, to bleed off strength from River Run, goad the boy into scattering his swords. His wife's brother was young and more gallant than wise. He would try to hold uh, every inch of his soil to d defend every man, woman, and child who named him Lord, and Tywin Lannister was shrewd enough to know that. I love when we get these little, like, uh, just like the, the strategy and tactics from Ned. Because yeah. he's just, Ned is clearly, like, a great like tactician right yeah um he doesn't really understand the game of thrones but he understands military right like i love that line when he tells um cat which we talked about a couple weeks ago he's like you know send people to gives out his orders like you know you go to moat kalen like you cannot get through it the whole thing it's great mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah it is yeah yeah just to kind of well that's what's neat about you know some of my pondering we'll talk about this at the end some of my um musings you know have me thinking about the dance of dragons and, and some of the strategy and battle that's going to take place right. and what could be hinted there so uh but yeah so so we move on here and we start to talk about the king's justice you know and it's like uh grandmaster Pycelle starts to kind of argue that you know hey if if um if Oster tully and and these guys have issue with with sir gregor then they should take this you know uh to tywin lannister his liege lord you know, and this shouldn't be something that we trouble the king with. This should be, um, he like basically kind of followed the chain of command. You should have gone to his um, liege lord first, and then if it's not settled, then you come here. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this is where Ned kind of explains it's all the king's justice. You know, uh, north, south, east, or west, we all do what we do in Robert's name, uh, the king's justice. And you know, so he's kind of uh, telling him that basically. It, it, that this is a concern of the throne. Regardless of where it goes, it is a concern. It is the king's justice. And so uh, I thought that was kind of yeah. neat, you know, just saying. Yeah, and Ned, and Ned tells Pycelle off, too, because right after this he says, the king's justice, Grandmaster Pycelle said, so it is, and we should uh, defer this matter until the king. The king is hunting across the river and may not return for days, Lord Eddard said. Robert bid me to sit here in his place, to listen with his ears and speak with his voice. I mean to do just that. Though I agree that he must be told, he saw a familiar face beneath the ta the tapestries. Sir Robar. 
Uh, yeah. So Rovar stepped forward and bowed, my lord, your father is hunting with the king. Will you bring them word of what has been done here today? Not once, my lord. Yeah. And then, Sir Ezra, I'll let you do the next part since okay. it's, 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 well, it's your favorite. It, it actually starts with Sir Robar. I mean, like, could you imagine being that guy, though? I mean, just, just him. Oh, yeah. Like, taking this news that, like, oh, shit, you know, this is, like, really, <laughs> yeah, like, like, happening. <laughs> I gotta go tell the king what's what's about to happen. So that guy's still standing there waiting for Eddard to do, you know, kind of his his thing. And, um... So so, anyways, he says at once, right? He says he's, he's on his way, you know, and, and he'll he'll leave at once once this is all what has been uh, told here in in the court, right? Uh, and Sir Mark actually is Sir Mark uh, Piper is the one who kind of says, so do we have your leave then to take our vengeance? And this is where you know it comes down. It actually with two different folks, it comes down uh, to the question of is this vengeance you're seeking or the king's justice? They're two different right. things, and um, so all these folks. Are kind of seeking. Some of them are seeking the king's justice, and some are wanting vengeance. And so he tries to separate the two. Um, the one that you'll get here in a little bit too is um, you, you'll get another uh, someone else who's also really pissed at um, the mountain, Sir Loras, right? right? Yeah, and he's kind of the and one. Then, uh, who yeah, Sir Loras says, you know, like I don't fear uh, Sir Gregor. Um, well, he should. <laughs> He right. should fear. I beg of it. I beg of you the honor of acting in your place. Give this task to me, my lord, and I swear I shall not fail you. And then Littlefinger chimes in. He's like, "Sir Loras, if we send you alone, Sir Gregor will send us back your head with a <laughs> plum stopped in that pretty mouth of yours. The m- mountain is not the sort of uh, to bend his neck to any man's justice." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so this is where I, where we get to it. You know, Sir Loras again is just kind of ah, he's he's hot and upset. Whatever. Uh, Ned eased himself slowly back onto the hard iron seat of Aegon's misshapen throne. His eyes searched the faces along the wall. And I love this. Like, he, there are many folks in this chamber. Um, and he sees, he says, Lord Beric, he called out. Thoris of Myrrh, Sir Gladden, Lord uh, Loth, is it uh, L- Lothar? Yeah, Lord Lothar. Lothar. Um, the, uh, the men named stepped forward one by one. Each of them is to each of you is to assemble twenty men and bring my word to Gregor's keep. Twenty of my own guard shall go with you, which is something I kind of forgot. Twenty of his own guard right. shall go with you, right? Uh, Lord Beric Dondarrion, you shall have the command as befits your rank. And I just imagine, like, like in my mind, I see him just scanning and seeing, weighing each of these men. Like, okay. Who do we want to pick? And it's very interesting that he picks people from different regions. You know, um, they represent right. uh, various re- the crown lands. You know, um, essentially almost Dorne and Stormlands. Uh, Stormlands, yeah, all that. You know, so uh, which is kind of neat. And you've also got the North represented in his uh, in his guard, his twenty. And uh, so the uh, the young lord with uh, red gold hair bowed as you command, Lord Edard. And again, it's it's like Edard's like big commandment. You know. Uh, he raised his voice so it carried to the far end of the throne room. In the name of Robert of House Baratheon, the first of his name, King of the Andals and the Roinar and the First Men, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm, by the word of Eddard of House Stark, his hand, I charge you to ride to the Westlands with all haste to cross the Red Fork of the Trident under the King's flag and there bring the King's justice to the false knight Gregor Cuglain. To all those who shared in his crimes, I denounce him, I attaint him, and I strip him of all rank and titles, and all lands and incomes and holdings, 
and do sentence him to death. May the gods take pity on his soul. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty cool, like, uh, you know, sort of proclamation. You know, it's it's a, it's just, it's awesome. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's 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 really, this is their this is their charge. And so later on, we'll get to you know the battle at the Mummers Ford. We'll get uh, um, what happens there. Well, it's and- a huge. I mean, it's a huge. It's a it's a huge turning point in in the books as yeah. we know what goes forward. I mean, it's this moment which is what sets up the Brotherhood without banners. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, running into Catelyn Stark or Lady Stoneheart. Yes. Yeah. Back to, back to Lady Stoneheart. I mean, the whole all These, that stuff. Yeah. Gendry getting knighted. All of it is like this kind of moment right here. Right. And and they are carrying out the king's justice. So they are still, you know, as far into you know as the series goes on, they are still carrying out that order. You know, right. and it's why I just kind of believe even if uh, Clegane Bowl happens, it may be that that uh, Sandor is uh, that the Hound is under, you know, joins up with. I mean, he does at one point is with the in the show. We see them. Yeah. Yeah. K- kind of, you know, joins back up with them. So maybe that's something that happens and he helps them, you know, kind of finish this off. I don't know. It just kind of a right. But uh, here. But cool. Knit bit. But right here uh, with the echo of the words died away. Um, the Knight of Flowers seem perplexed. Lord Eddard, what of me? So here's a question for you, Sir Ezra. Yeah. Let's say that he had sent, let's just play what if here because sure. it's fun, that he had sent Sir Loras instead. Yeah. Let's uh. say, you know, so you're, so the, what happens then is if the mountain kills him, mm-hmm. then House Tyrell is immediately going to war with House Lannister. And then House Lannister would be screwed because, you know, the the big advantage they get is that they can marry Joffrey to Marjorie. Yeah. And yeah. kind of and secure that thing with if you don't have that, because, right. you know, that's that's a good point. I mean, because, first of all, I totally believe he would have died, even if he had the same oh, yeah. number of men led them to the, like like the way that they did, because, uh, you know, you find out in that battle that uh, the, the mountain is just ruthless. And he also uses tactics that are just. You know, they're not honorable, and he surprise attacks and different things, ambushes and what have you. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he would have died. And then, yeah, you you actually, you're right. You could have had um, some issue there with the Tyrells, which would have caused a, a, a major swing in, in things. Uh, because that was the thing, is that he was trying to find individuals to lead this party that, one, were honorable men, and... Two, they they didn't have any, you right, know, because their think about this too. Then, yeah. then maybe Renly isn't declaring himself king. Maybe Renly is then just going to war against House Lannister. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or, if, he, yeah. if he doesn't have the support of House Tyrell, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because Renly, because Renly declares himself king, or you know, and then has Highgarden and and the Tyrells yeah. with him. Yeah. But if Loras just died, he may take his own troops and say hey we're gonna go get revenge on them and so then he maybe he and stannis are joined together Mm because he just wants revenge right he'd have house tyrell there too i mean the lannisters would be destroyed because he'd have the starks as well yeah it would have been a completely different dynamic yeah (laughs) that's for sure uh well and and the other thing i want to i don't want to forget to mention is that loris actually you remember at the hands tourney he is seeking vengeance because of how he was treated by the mountain, you know, even though he defeats him, you know, in, on um, horseback. And that's the other thing. We even go, going back to the next chapter that we'll be in, in, in Fire and Blood, Jaehaerys actually 
sees wisdom in like picking his Kingsguard from melee combat, not from tilts, you know. And so it's one thing to be on a horse and, and, you know, riding directly at that other person, but to be in a battle and to be fighting, although you will see later that, um, that, uh, Loris Tyrell is actually pretty, pretty awesome when it comes to, Oh, he's a boss. Yeah. yeah when it, when it comes to battle and, and, and things, uh, later on, I mean, he's severely injured and stuff, but still, you know, gets that experience and, and I kind of start to, you know, feel for him, but yeah, so in the other bit here at the end, the last thing that we'll kind of uh, leave you guys with is the whole uh, Sir Ilan Payne, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. House Payne is is kind of, uh, you know, they're of the Westerlands, and, you know, Ilan Payne, he had his, his, his uh, tongue cut out because of the things that he said um, about the Mad, you know, the Mad King, um, you know, and, and his support for Tywin Lannister. So, you know, he he is the King's Justice, I mean, that is his, he's the executioner, he, right? He's supposed to be you know, the one uh, hunting down the mountain here. And, and he basically, you know, uh, Ned says, no, I mean, he he, he thought about his um, alliances and thought there might be a conflict of interest there. It, uh, there, yeah. sh- there shouldn't be. And that was one that he was kind of like, you know, if it is all the king's justice and we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know, he is at the king's, um, you know, uh, dispense or whatever but like he's had his his tongue cut out for things that he said against the king before so you know he's he's really trying to pick the best uh, men that he can right. there and make it make a good decision and then this last line here just for an, another total foreshadowing yeah he does so love his work right yeah 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 talking about ill and pain yeah he does yep and and it, there's a for yeah total foreshadowing in that like hopefully he this slight that Eddard has given him will you know be something that he can outgrow but not necessarily so <clears throat> all right though that's the chapter I mean that it's a it's I, it's short but I I really like it I always think back to that scene and it's like one of those things when you think about where if you could go visit you know like a scene in the book you know what are some of the ones that you would pick and that's one I would want to go back and see. You know, I would want to go back and, and hear the tension in the room and feel the tension, I should say, and then hear the command, you know, from Eddard Stark to Lord Beric Dondarrion, you know, charging him, you know, with this, the king's justice. It's just uh, right. sick. It's awesome. So, okay. Um, I would say we, we kind of covered uh, a lot of the cool connections. Did you have any other? Uh, anything uh, no, to- I'm ready for, I'm ready for some ravens. Yeah, we got a couple a couple small ones here. Um, ones that I thought would be interesting to bring up, uh, Sir Matt, if you if you would on right. yeah, I, I got I go in, I go in right for, for you right here. Okay, yeah. This is from Instagram from Lady uh, Sydney. Yeah. Um, happy holidays, my lord. So I was recently rewatching some of the show, and I just had a question about a character that only appears once in its uh, entirety. Uh, I'm usually one for book theories, but this one is a show theory that bothered me since the first time I watched it. Do you remember the sorcerer that Varys showed Tyrion in season three? There was a bigger was there a bigger point to showing him, and is he more important than we think, or is he uh, being is he being there really just to show Varys's dark side, give us a bit of his backstory, and show us his motivation for not supporting Stannis and Melisandre? I definitely don't think this will happen uh, in the books, but the show has a way of coming back to things um, that seemed like filler scenes to viewers. What do you think? Wow. So if you yeah, so if you remember, so that is the guy who he is referred to in the books as a certain man, right? Vera says it was mm-hmm. a certain man that took my manhood, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A sorcerer, but but he doesn't find him in the show. 
he finds him and he has him in that box and he shows it to Tyrion. Um, and then so, it's, you know, it's presumed he he kills him. So. Right. Right. Uh, wow. OK. Yeah. So I'm trying to see if there's anything in the books about that, though, you know, Um the other thing I have so yeah, is- I, I agree. In the show, I think it's it's a way to show how powerful Varys is, right? Yeah. Like he clearly does have a network of spies. He is going to be true to his word about you know like following up on things. Um, in the show, I think, or in the books, I think there's going to be a lot more to it. He is mm-hmm. a sorcerer. Magic is definitely a lot more prevalent in the in the books. So I think there's definitely some more to it. Yeah, let me just read here from um, the the histories here in the Free Cities. Um, according to Grandmaster Pycel, Varys was born a slave in uh, Lyce or Lys, whatever you want to say. Uh, Varys says that he was apprenticed as an orphan to a troop of mummers uh, who worked the Free Cities and Old Town, especially King's Landing. During their stay uh, in Mir, a certain man offered a large sum of money for Varys, an offer his master found too tempting to refuse. So, just singling out Varys. Uh, the man gave Varys a potion that made him powerless to move or speak, but did nothing to dull his senses as his manhood was cut off at the stem. Uh, then burnt in a brazier in a blood magic ritual. The man had no further use for Varys and tossed him out on the streets alone to die. Varys, out of spite for the sorcerer, vowed to live. Varys claimed to have held a hatred for all things magical ever since. Uh, he resorted to begging, prostitution, thievery, eventually becoming the best thief uh, and Mir until a rival forced him out and he fled to Pentos. Uh, so yeah, there's just a little tidbit on, on his background, but yeah, as, as, um, as was said, it's not something that has come up. I don't think in the book series has it. I don't think like his actual, um, finding of that individual, you know, uh, so that's a question. Is that actually going to happen? You know, is that, is that something that's actually going to happen in the books? If it's not already, I'm I'm doing a quick little search, and I don't really remember anything about that. I remember there was uh, talk as to how he uh, came to where he's at now, but yeah, that's that's a cool little thought. I th- I think it does in the show, as as Sir Matt said, um, that uh, it's it does show sort of his his prowess, his power, you know, his ability to kind of right. track that individual down and and to, and to kill him, you know, and even though he has this resentment towards things that are magical and nature and stuff i you know i think he finds ways to you know either exploit those magical beings or to you know he uses again his own his own skills as a mummer and as a a beggar and a a thief so right yeah yeah that's a good one that's cool i mean i hadn't thought about that individual for a long time (laughs) so yeah yeah who who is who is that sorcerer um i don't know if it also it taught Go ahead. Well, is there a connection to R'hllor, you know, with that? Because that's what it is in the show, right? There's a connection to, there's a burning, right? It's a sacrifice to, it's a blood ritual done in the fires. It's tossed into mm-hmm. the fire. And so. Yeah, so here, I, f- I found this, I found this, um, somebody kind of breaks down. And we've talked about various theories before. Is he a Targaryen? Sure. Um, I found, I found this uh, big kind of post on Reddit about it. And somebody says, um, a theory on Varys's parentage. Uh, this guy says, I speculate that Varys is the grandson of Aryan Bright Flame Targaryen. Uh, this started when I saw that Varys said he'd been born in Lys. Assuming this is true, this is my proposed timeline with dates taken from the A Song of Ice and Fire wiki. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so remember, Aaron Brightflame was uh, eggs, egg on the fifths, brother who got exiled right after you know Dunk kicked the crap mm-hmm. out of him. Sir Dunk yeah. the Tall kicked his teeth in quite literally. Right. Um, <laughs> in two hundred eight, uh, Aryan Targaryen is exiled to Lys, where he fathered at least one child. Then we know in two thirty two he drinks wildfire and dies. In 233, King Makor the first dies. A great council is determ- is called to determine succession. His two oldest, his uh, the two oldest sons, including uh, Arian, were already dead. The great council noted that Arian left behind an infant son, but they passed on the idea of offering it to the crown to this foreign-born bastard infant. Instead, they offered the crown to Maester Aemon, who famously refused it, and the crown went to King Aegon V or Egg. In 243, the Mad King is born. In 248, Arian's bastard son would have been 16 years old. This seems to be around the normal age that you could father your first child um, in Westeros or Essos. I propose he fathered at least Varys. In 259, Rhaegar is born. In 276, King Aerys summons Varys to the court to become his spy master. If he was born in the range between Aerys and Rhaegar... Varys would be at least in his mid-twenties. Um, and then you jump ahead today to 300. Um, the events of the Dance of Dragons would put Varys at least in his early fifties. Huh. Okay. Wow. Uh, then it says, uh, Varys says that he was born a slave in Lys. He shaves his head, perhaps to hide his distinctive hair color, which we know other people do. Yeah. There are um, stories of his great uncle, Aegon, if it were his uncle, you know, Aegon. Egg mm-hmm. the fifth doing the same. Also, Arian um, uh, once physically threatened to castrate his brother Aegon. It wouldn't be that it, it would be ironic if Arian's uh, grandson suffered this same fate. On a side note, Varys's castration is a blood magic ritual similar to what Melisandre has been trying to do with King's blood. That might also hit a hint at his royal lineage. Perhaps it wasn't uh, for magic at all. Perhaps castration was simply to put an end to yet another splinter Targaryen dynasty. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to take in. I mean, that's um, I hope there's something like that, though, with Varys, something really a cool, you know, twist or connection, even if it's not true Targaryen, if it's, you know, um, Blackfire, what have you, something. Right. Like, why are they trying to push egg the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. That would be really kind of neat to see. Or so. Aegon, the, the young Griff. Yeah. Young, young Griff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay, well, that's cool. Thank you for that. Uh, I just thought, minor, real quick, I got a couple from uh, Lord Hunter here, the foul mouth, just sort of saying Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, he enjoyed the um, Lost in Shield episode. Super pumped about all the new show stuff. Um, and then he said, you had me at Lightbringer is a person a couple weeks ago uh, when we talked about that. Uh, Chris Ridley actually sent us something here that uh, I thought was interesting, and I wanted to uh, put this to Sir Matt. So, Uh, He just listened to the Night of the Laughing Tree podcast. This is one of my favorite characters, so I've done a lot of research on this. Um, Have you ever read the the physical description of Benjen Stark in Westeros.org? The description of his eyes um, are quite telling. Um, So let's take a look at that real quick, uh, sir. Uh I I did the other day. Oh, that's right, yeah. It's awesome. It's really, really great. I'm going to read it for everybody so they can just uh, get this initial bit here uh his appearance okay so if you go down to appearance under benjen stark it says benjen has sharp features and blue eyes in which a hint of laughter is often present <laughs> sorry that's all you need to read right there mm-hmm. uh a in which a hint of laughter 
is often present. And so I thought that was kind of the description of his eyes. Uh, he's got these sharp features, blue eyes uh, with a hint of laughter present. Why do you need to add that little bit in there? You know, is that just somebody from Westeros.org adding that in? Um, the description comes from Game of Thrones chapter 5, John 1. Uh, and that may actually be, I'd, I'd have to go look exactly. Um, well, Game of Thrones chapter 5. Got the book right here. I'll see if we can find it. But anyways, it, what do you think about that, sir, Matt? Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That That's that's the descri- <laughs> That's one of the candidates that we had listed, <laughs> right? You know? That's the description of his eyes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because that was one of the people we had said uh, could have been the Night of the Laughing Tree, and uh, I just thought that was thought that was kind of kind of cool that they would uh, that they would that they would mention that. I was trying to find it real quick in the book here, but well, you guys can look that up though. It's chapter five here when when Uncle Benjamin shows up and at Winterfell, it looks like they they do describe uh, him as having a hint of laughter in his eyes, which is mm-hmm. crazy, right? That's kind of a crazy little layer. Um, underneath that would that would suggest that maybe he was you know the night of the laughing tree so cool i'd love to hear people's thoughts on that though so all right sir matt anything else i'm just reading more about this varus theory here oh okay (laughs) yeah so sir matt (laughs) is in a rabbit hole right now (laughs) well because if you remember yeah his castration is kind of a big deal okay because remember in what is it like season six when Varys and Tyrion are um, over at the Red Priest, they run into that other Red Priestess, Kinvara. Yeah. yeah. And Varys kind of makes a joke, and then she tells him of the story that happened to him. Yeah. And if you remember when when his you know member was thrown into the fire, a voice called out to him. Yeah. And so I, I think it is going to come back. Right, it, it, we are gonna we're gonna hear about who spoke to him in the flames. Was it Relor? Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Was it? And so you know, um, and what are we gonna get out of Varys in this com- upcoming season? And there's the whole Varys Melisandre kind of yeah thing where Melisandre tells him off, right, uh, right, kind of a thing. Like she's she kind of doesn't she whisper something to him and it, he kind of looks like scared. Yeah, she does. And it, it, that's a thread they have to finish up, though, right? I mean, they have to. Right, uh, and you, so I think I think there's definitely going to be something more to it, um, and whether it t- whether that comes full circle back to the books, um, you know, will will remain to be seen. But yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. I think that is something that's going to have to come because it was a big it was a bigger deal though in the show. I feel like, and that's where I was kind yeah. of struggling to find some stuff in the books that would, uh, you know, help me understand a, little, a, a bit more. So, because does a voice call out to him in the books? Or do we just know that the guy's... I don't think we... There is, no, there is. I don't think that part was... I don't, I'd have to go look up the actual description, but at least according to the wiki, uh, that wasn't something that was said in the books. You know, it was... Um, it just talks about how he was bought, paid for, and, you know, couldn't... He did feel the pain of it, uh, was left to die, and, and you know... Uh, no, they do. No, they do. Yeah, it is, it is mentioned, yeah. What? That his voice... Yes, yeah, so the man had no further use of Varys and tossed him out in the streets to die alone. Mm-hmm. Varys, out of spite for the sorcerer, vowed to live. Yeah, but as as for like what he heard in the flames, I don't know if he was. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he. Was, I'm sure he was there for that ritual, and maybe something did happen. We just haven't gotten it yet. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I'm assuming. Um, but I'll have to go. I'll have to go dig. So. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
Yep, I think that uh, does it. We've got we're saving some. Of, some of you have sent us Ravens. We are definitely um, so January. Uh, I think we said sixteenth there. Let me double check. Uh, wait, thirteenth. Sorry, I keep saying the sixteenth. Uh, January thirteenth. That'll be a Sunday. Uh, we're going to do that first Ravens nest, and we we have saved a, a bunch of good Ravens. I think next week we'll post a couple of the topics. Uh, we won't maybe share the whole Raven, but we will, uh, you know, kind of give you the gist of what uh, is said there, so you guys can kind of ponder on it and think about it before we hop into the discussion there. Now, again, on Patreon, you can, if you're at the top tier, um, you can participate in that. We're going to have you guys on, uh, and you can kind of talk with us. So if you're if you're there and we see you in the Discord chat, we're just going to click on you. Uh, we'll probably, before we start, click on everybody and just have everybody kind of chat with us and make sure we're good to go. And um, the other thing we'll do is if you're in, I think it's the $15 or $10 tier, you're actually able to type in, like, influence uh, as well just through your... your um, just through the chat so i'll I'll be watching the the feed and if we have more questions there uh we can kind of uh, get those circulated as well so it's kind of cool it's like a live way to kind of influence the discussion and and talk about it we'll release it uh, on the actual main made feed in in podcast so get ready for that absolutely so all right sir ezra well i believe it is time to sign off yes unfortunately we want to thank you uh, for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 44 sansa 3 yeah uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, um, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. <laughs>